And welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Frasaro, joined by Dave D'Agostino, our co-host and producer. Our mission, as always, is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience, and we will do so today uh, with a man I'd known for a long time, going back to his days uh, working in marketing with the then Florida Marlins, and then transition to the Miami Marlins, Sean Flynn. Sean currently is the chief commerce, uh, excuse me, chief commercial officer at Sure People. Uh, but before we bring in Sean, uh, let's get Dave D'Agostino in here with some announcements. Dave. Yeah, Joe, thanks. Episode 478 on our network today. So thank our 70,000 subscribers. Uh, we appreciate your support. Want to mention our, our marketing people and our our sponsors here. So Millions, our new marketing partner, two options for you. Book me is for advertisers. Go on there and put a proposal in. We'll respond back to you same day. Um, and then you can also connect with our, our hosts as speakers. So on the book me option, advertisers and speaking opportunities to bring our hosts in to speak at your engagement, your practice, whatever it may be. Also the shop option, you can get our merchandise, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, or you can you can get to know our hosts through what we call an experience. Ask them a question pertinent to their expertise. We'll get back to you by email within 48 hours. A great opportunity to get to know our hosts a little bit more intimately. Jaw Bats, the newest certified bat in Major League Baseball. RVG code at checkout. So RVG at checkout will get you a discount on the newest certified MLB bat. My son Tanner's using his, both lefty righty. Jeff Fry is using his. It's a great new maple made bat. Love that product. The kinetic arm also. We're hoping that it's a... It's a. It's got five patents that'll help cure or at least uh, put a halt on some of the major arm injuries going on through youth and professional baseball. It offloads stress externally, prevents arm lag. It's a multi-joint dynamic stabilizer and also aids in deceleration. If you use RVG DAG at checkout, you'll get a discount on that product as well. want to thank One-on-One -on -one College Pathways for fraying the cost of our productions as well. Helps helps us bring you this product for free. Uh, they've helped over 700 students in the last four years obtain athletic scholarships to the tune of $540 million. Also, Monet uh, self-care and hair products. Been using it for 10 days now. Um, at 50, I don't look for too many people to, to kind of make me feel okay about myself, but my children and my wife are two of them. The kids think the hair looks good and it's, it's fluffy, they said, and looks cool. So that's okay by me. And my wife seems to like it as well. So Monet self-care and hair products, we'll be passing that out to our hosts as well. They said it cures hatheads, so that's helping me out a ton as well. And with that, Joe, turn it back to you. Thanks, Dave. As you can tell uh, our audience, we got a lot going on, and uh, we're not going to waste a lot of time uh, with our until to bring in our guest. Uh, Sean Flynn has a long history working in in, in marketing and and all sorts of promotions uh, at the uh, on the sports level. Um, in involved now with short people. Opening day, I can't believe it. It's like a less than just a day or so, less than a month away. So a lot of uh, major league baseball teams they're doing promotions. They're trying to get people in the ballpark, get people fired up for the start of the season, and I'm fired up to bring in our guest, Sean Flynn. Sean, welcome, my friend. How you doing? Good, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the invite, and always good to hear your voice. It's, it's been a while, so excited to, excited to chat, and you know, just, let's, let's find some time to meet up at a spring training game. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Sean, catch people up, shore people. What what is that, and uh, and how is that uh, involved in sports these days? Yeah, shore people is a is a is a tool um, that uh, allows leaders, team leaders, coaches, whoever it may be, to have a real understanding. Number one of themselves, and then number two, more importantly, I think, especially in sports, of those around them. So um, it's built on our own. Uh, proprietary algorithm that we run through AI and, you know, through our app, it's really has a user-friendly application that, uh, you know, you can use on the fly, whether it's, you know, in the course of the flow of work or in, in you know, on, on the field, right? Um, really helps, helps build relationships, build bonds, build trust by giving a deep understanding of individuals and then running that through our, through our science and, and providing direct advice and counsel. Um, you know, sure people, goes back, you know, 10 years or so ago, kind of focused in the world of, of business and, and HR and, and, and you know, team lead executives and leaders and et cetera, managers, directors, uh, helping folks with their staff in, in an office environment. We launched the sports vertical uh, in 2020, right around the COVID era, um, and really took it to sports. So we've got multiple Major League Baseball clients now, and some of those include the world champion Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals and Oakland Athletics and some others, multiple uh, clients in intercollegiate athletics, uh, including uh, programs at the University of Georgia, University of Florida, San Diego State, Siena, you know, a number of intercollegiate athletic programs. And we're starting to uh, get some traction in the world of uh, Olympic sports. So we've got the USA diving on board and there's going to be some others to follow up there. So really, really excited about what this uh, tool can provide. Uh, and, and as we kind of expand in 2024 is, is a real key year for us. Is, uh, we've got a brand new app that'll be coming out in April of, of 2024 that really makes this thing really, really you know, kind of put it on steroids. It's just at the, on your phone, you, know, you download our app and you've got direct counsel and advice on how to, how to have a conversation with somebody. Again, whether that's a co you know, pitching coach to a pitcher, uh, you know, or, or somebody in the front office to a, to a coach, whatever it may be, it's people sign. So really, really powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, jump in. It, Sean, I, I love what that, the, I love what you're doing now. And you know, the, there's, there's big cognitive evaluation devices out there with NFL. They use it the most probably um, the S2 cognition. Of course, everyone's heard of the wonder look test. What's the difference between what you're doing and what they do? Yeah, we're not really cognitive. We're behave we're psychometric and behavioral, right? So you know, we understand what makes people tick. Uh, we've got 150. We so the starting point of this is somebody completes a questionnaire or survey, right? It takes them about 30 minutes. Once they do that, we have the the, the foundation of everything that we do is called the prism prism portrait. So once somebody completes that, now we've got them in our platform in the prism portrait. And those 150 uh, traits and attributes are in kind of filtered through seven different modules, personality, how you shift under pressure, motivation, fundamental needs, conflict management, decision-making, and how you process information. They've got a real deep understanding of what makes this person tick. Does somebody need to kick in the behind? Do they need to hug? Do you need to let them speak first or they need to hear you out before they open up? Right? You know, how are they motivated? Just real, real important information on how to put this person in the best position to succeed through your relationship, through your communication. And it's done, again, with a real user-friendly application that is real scalable. So that's why Major League Baseball clients 
uh, I think are attracted to this in one of the first, besides my history, major league baseball, but the fact that in baseball, you've got 180 uh, folks in your development system through five different affiliates in an academy and then a committing a Republic with, well, you know, a hundred, you know, coaches and staff that, that are supporting them. How do you scale that? Right. Um, it's not easy, but with an application like ours, it makes it really easy. So everybody has the ability to use this and the power of this at their fingertips. So, you know, we're really digging in on relationships and, and really putting people in, in an environment that they're comfortable with. A lot of times when you look at what stops development, it may not be their, their technical skills or baseball skills or the physiological ability. It's they're stuck in double A because they don't connect with their pitching coach. And all of a sudden somebody gets written off and traded or waived or, you know, whatever it may be. And it really had nothing to do with their baseball ability. And it's happened over and over. We always hear the story about, oh, in the right environment, this person could succeed or maybe they'll you know, change the change of scenery. But no, let's do that right now while you have them, right? Yeah, it, so- it sounds like a it sounds like a great tool to foster communication. It, that's what hundred percent. That's what it does. We in, in in the click of an app, you click on. I'm going to have a conversation with Joe about performance. Then it gives you how do you structure that conversation? Okay, do this right, Sean. When you're and takes my data and his data, runs it through our prism through AI, and gives a real, basically a script on how to handle that, or at least a, a guidance on how to handle that communication. And it, and it's really really powerful, really really accurate. We use. You know, this wasn't built in somebody's garage and, you know, a couple of guys you know, put it together. It's, you know, this, the origin of this goes back to the mid 80s at MIT and like, psychologists were working on, you know, something in this space. Uh, to, that, and their goal was to create something that was really robust uh, and had great scalability. And, you know, we took that and ran with it. You know, Sean, it's, it's kind of um, you, you were at the at the winter meetings, right? You know, yeah. and uh, talk, talk about that and and the response you got from from baseball when you're at the winter meetings when they first heard about this exciting uh, technology. Yeah. So uh, as part of the winter uh, winter meetings uh, annually, the uh, Major League Baseball League office uh, presents a baseball technology expo. Uh, it's real. It's, it's invite only um, and it's very limited. I think there's 20 or so you know suppliers or vendors there. So we've been invited for the past two years to present to clubs and access to that expo is limited to club personnel and some media members only. So it's just, you know, baseball operations folks roaming through and checking out what the new technology is. And then when you look around that room, excuse me, it's a lot of stuff that you guys have probably talked about. I think one, maybe even a sponsor of yours, you know, equipment and, and, and wearables and biometric stuff and video, new latest video technology. Um, which is all great and cool. And there's, a, there's some killer stuff out there, um, but nothing in our space, right? So, you know, there, there's nobody doing what we do in the way we do it. There are, you know, there are people, and you may have, you guys may have heard, and I'm sure some of the listeners have heard of like a disc or a Myers-Briggs or some of these things, which personality or processing uh, assessments, but ours is much more robust. You'd have to take five or six of those different, a disc and a Myers-Briggs and a Hogan and all these other things to get what we give you. But nobody provides it in the format that we do in the way we do it. That gives you actionable, easy to use, user-friendly, you know, advice at your fingertips on your phone. And that's the power of this thing. It's a much, it's a much better instrument and it, the use of the utility of it's outstanding. 
Sean, you noted that the the Texas Rangers uh, are one are one of your clients, and uh, obviously had pretty good success in twenty three, winning the World Series. What feedback and and what kind of tinkering uh, could be done for last year to this year? Yeah, so the Texas Rangers were our first Major League Baseball client, so uh, you know we can see that they're investing in, in in tools and development tools, performance tools, and, and that, that does pay off <laughs> as we've seen. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so some of the things, the, the app is the newest powerful thing, right? We've, you know, we've, we've done, you know, when we launched this, we had a beta, actually ran a beta test with uh, University of Miami football and learned a lot in 2020. Uh, and one of the things that came out of that was, you know, coaches, our, our platform was great, but coaches said, just tell me what to do. Give me direct advice. So we created these baseball cards, we call them, because we created those with another major league baseball client on direct, you know, tell me what to do in situations. And we put those on PDFs and, and embedded them in the platform. And, you know, coaches could call them up on their phone or their tablet and kind of take a look, right? So that really led us to, okay, this is what people really need. And, and whether that, again, our clients in an office at Comcast Media or Johns Hopkins Medicine or iRobot or one of the baseball teams or college programs we're working with, you know, just give us what we tell us what to do in certain situations and then remind me to do it. So our newest innovation, you know, which we're really excited about, like I mentioned earlier, is coming out in April, this app, which is just going to be phenomenal. And we didn't have AI when we launched this to the degree we have it now. And that's just really put this thing on a fast path. Imagine, you know, the one thing about AI, all these, you know, scenarios and negative uh, possibilities. But one of the negative things is it's not personalized. Well, if you put it, run somebody's prism and then run that through AI, we're actually personalizing AI based on the data that we have, which is, which is really cool. You know, it's interesting, you know, you talk about communication We're obviously we're in a generation and, and it's really, I don't see it ever turning back where everyone's on devices at young age. Uh, the interaction of, of young people, a lot of it is group chats. Uh, you know, the, you know, my, I got a, 13-year-old granddaughter who has like 70 group chats, her first period group chat, her uh, wait at the bus group chat. And so she's constantly on and, you know, looking at devices. Uh, I know athletes, I'm covering a lot of high school players. A kid does well. I get a video. I, I post a video. Seconds after the game, the kids are liking it. They're, they're noticing the technology. It's communicating with them. Um, how do you see the communication with with this generation and, and the future where, you know, the human interaction with the technology interaction, how's that all integrated in, in together, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, that's an important part of it. Right. And that's why this new app that we have coming out is integral into us really expanding on what we can do, because it's, you know, people, especially like you said, the, the next generation coming up lives on on their device. So having this at your fingertips clicking through opening clicking through an app getting a push notification to remind you is is just the way things need to be done so the other thing about you talk about generational shifts you know the the next group coming up and let's you know you talk about baseball or or sports in general and we look at kids in high school in in college in in a development system in major league baseball or or beyond that that group is much different because they've gone through COVID and just the way of the world in, in terms of how they want to, they, they want to be treated. Um, you know, I think Dave, you mentioned 50, you're 50. I, I, I'm into my fifties, <laughs> well into my fifties. And Joe, I know you're past that number too, 
you know. Yeah, I'm in the 60s, so yeah. we, we won't go there. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you know, when we were, if you played, I played multiple sports. Uh, your coach would tell me to run through the wall. I'd run through the wall, no questions asked. I'm doing it. It's not the way of the world today. Um, you know, pe- uh, athletes, student athletes are are, you know, they need, you know, or they demand, you know, this this approach that is more personalized and somebody understands me that's just the way it is right now and our 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 tool helps that right i mean i talk to college coaches all the time and you know they every one of them says the 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 student athlete they have now is much different from the student athlete they had 10 years ago and a tool like ours is you know makes it more so much more easy to have and build and sustain those relationships. The way our you know, kind of you use our tool, you know, you look at it. There's kind of four uses, right? Talent evaluation. So this can be you. Texas Rangers, for example, have been using this in the draft preparation for the last three years. So we've got a number of prospects who turned into draft picks um, not with the Rangers and everywhere else on our system. Um, so talent evaluation is a kind of a, 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 a a use here. And then the magic happens when somebody comes into your organization. So it really helps in onboarding, whether that's drafted into a major league baseball system, they show up on campus somewhere, a coach is hired. Now they've crossed into your world. This helps in onboarding. So now you understand them immediately. So there's no trial and error or a learning curve, or I can't figure this guy out, or, you know, this guy, what, what, this guy's nuts. I don't, you know, I don't figure out, he's wired the wrong way. You know, you get that immediately, right? Let's, let's understand them. I understand myself, understand them, and this helps you get on the fast track to doing what you need to do, and that's you know coaching them in baseball. Then the next stop of the way is if there's things are going well, but there's an impasse or a conflict or something's going on, it's something's happening, right? Odds are we can probably go into our platform and find the root cause of that, and then find a way out of it, so you know an impasse or a problem doesn't become an uh, insurmountable obstacle that now the relationship is cut and you know, this, this person has just stopped developing or they give up or something. Right. And then I say the last one is kind of general use. I have coaches tell me all the time, Hey, Sean, I rarely go into a meeting with one of my guys uh, without looking at this five minutes before, just to put myself in the right mindset. So I know who I have on my hands uh, because I don't want to get into the mode of just treating people or coaching people the way I was coached or, or the way I want to be coached, right? So it's really important to kind of get this mindset of, all right, I've got individuals on my hand. I'm different. They're different. Let's come together. Um, we are, there's a, you know, you've heard the phrase, treat people the way you want to be treated. That's not really right. You want to treat people the way they need to be treated. Um, and that's what we help do. Yeah. Uh, no, this is interesting. Uh, you know, Dave is a, is a coach on and he's around young kids and young people. Uh, Dave, what do you, you know, how do you respond? I love this. I, I spent 20 years as a college basketball coach at the highest levels. And I'm thinking of meetings that I had with, with my players where I thought I took copious notes. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the uh, variables that you're talking about, but at the end of the day, it was on legal pad. And uh, it sounds like you have a way and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like if you're, if you're able to capture those individual conversations, you could almost create your own learn language model where this thing can grow and grow and grow to, um, 
you know, and I, I think AI is a good thing. I think analytics are a good thing. I think they're a good thing if used the right way. But it, it sounds like you have the capability to do that. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we do. But we, we give it to you. You don't even need to capture anything. It's done for you, right? You're on platform. They're on platform. We run it through our algorithm and then through AI. And it basically gives you, you know, coaching advice, communication advice, relationship advice, conversation advice when you're and, and it's situational as well. I'm going to talk about performance. So, you know, I've got to talk about, um, you know, an adjustment to something or so you can you know, it's actually situational where we're going to talk about this subject. Dave, I got to go talk to Sean. <clears throat> you know, give me some advice on how to handle this conversation. Yeah, I like how it's presented, though, too. It's presented as, as you, you said, advice um, where it allows freedom to think. And then now after they're done with the conversation or during it, they're capturing everything or their your system is capturing it as well. Yeah. So we've got the ability to kind of how that go, you know, <clears throat> give me some feedback on that. And then we can adjust down, you know, after that. So, yeah, correct. I like that because then that that allows for that allows for growth, not just with that relationship, but also the system grows along with the the relationship. Is that am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What what uh, and early on and and again, I don't want you to reveal the secret sauce, but um, as you've grown this, or as your 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 company as the company's grown this, um, what stops along the way? Have you said, oh, I I think we know we need to change and go in this direction. What little uh, I guess, uh, train stops have you had along the way to help get to this point? Yeah, I think, well, the, the, our, the prism has not changed dramatically. Uh, we do have a science team, um, and we do use, you know, we go through validity and reliability. We've used third parties for that, uh, just to make sure this is a valid instrument, which is important because there, you run into some things like this that aren't or may not be really valid or reliable, right? But they haven't gone done their due diligence and, and really checked all the science boxes. So that's important to us. So that, that has not changed dramatically. I think when we first went out to the market, and you know, we've learned a lot over the past few years, we threw a lot at people. And I think it became overwhelming. We could do, you know, we could do, um, you know, surveys and 360s and, you know, all these other competency management tools and uh, what we really found is the value of what we have is is our prism and really helping with relationships and whether that's individually. So number one, you've got self-mastery, right? You understand yourself, which is important, especially uh, for the coaches to really understand themselves, number one. Uh, and then number two, understand those around them. And you have tools like relationship advisor and my coach to do that, which is some of the things I described. Um, the other tool that we have, which I didn't uh, discuss is team advisor. That's the collective. So you can actually go in and, and put a group of people in, whether that's, uh, you know, your whole roster on a basketball team or it's your guards, right? It's your offensive linemen and throw that group in there and it gives you strategies and insights, uh, some potential watch outs for that group. So we do it, you know, you and individually understanding yourself, building relationships with those around you, individual one-on-one -on -one, and then, and then working as a, as a group collectively. So what we've that done, that's, that's where our core is, right? Let's put, let's put that in the staff, which is coming out. That's what we've learned. Let's just focus on those things. And that's, that's really where we're going. So as a college basketball coach, I had, and people don't realize this, I probably had close to a hundred people in my peripheral line of sight, everybody from assistant coaches to players, to secretary, to compliance, to the popcorn maker at the games. Um, and, and not that it would, it would it needed to, to handle all that, but you can segment it where let's say it was me dealing with assistants or uh, my assistant coaches dealing with the guards or the players dealing amongst themselves. I mean, it's that 
you, it's, you can, you can dive off that deep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's say head coach at university X has, you know, we're on it. He's the, he's the lead on it. You know, he can break it in. I'm going to look at, you know, there's a problem between me and me and my assistant or my two assistants. You know, let's put those two in it. Or, you know, there's my point guard and my shooting guard aren't getting along. These guys got to figure it out. I got to go in and help them, right? Put those two in there and it'll give you really actionable recommendations on how to work through whatever may be happening, right? Or how to bring those guys and, and align them. Yeah. I wish I could, I wish I kept great notes on me and my popcorn maker because he was probably the best one in my whole group. Never missed a beat with that stuff. I loved it. Right by the bench, every home game. Yeah. Just, an, just the right amounts. <laughs> so, yeah. You, Joe. Yeah. No, th this is fascinating stuff. Um, you know, we could talk all day about this topic with Sean, but I was also wanted to kind of shift gears and get into a little bit of of sports marketing, opening day, some of the things that uh you know Sean sees in today's game from that end. Uh Sean has some probably some great stories of when he's with the Marlins, having some some great musical guests, uh, as as well as other promotions, uh, Sean, talk about that. If you you know if you're a major league team right now with opening day within three four weeks, you know what are some of the things internally you you're trying to do, or what are the things you're noticing teams doing, uh, you know, to to get people in the seats and people energized. Yeah, I mean, it's listen, opening day is kind of the one you shoot for. You want to start out with a sellout, right, on opening day. So a lot of effort goes into making sure that, you know, you've got a, a full house for that first one. Um, and then, you know, you, you you know you attack it with however you can, right? If if you're a natural sellout and you're you know, in St. Louis or, or some of the other markets, it's a no-brainer. It doesn't even matter. Then, you know, there's you try to you try to filter off of opening day and, and leverage that into, into the, you know, future games. Um, but if you're struggling to do, uh, you know, hit to that number, you've got to find compelling reasons. And obviously, you know, our time, my time with the Marlins, um, you know, we had a lot of work to do. There's a big gap, right, from what we could sell and then how we got to you know, sell off for opening day. And it's just really building compelling reasons for people to come out um, other than baseball and opening day. You've got to give folks, to, you know, whether they're. Uh, you know, the, the fish, baseball aficionados are coming, right? It's the other folks. How do we get the casual fan or folks who may not be interested um, to come out and, and experience you know, the game the best way? And that's live, as we know. So it's really digging in and figuring out what's going to get somebody off their couch, you know, into their car and head down to the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, obviously down here, you know, we had our challenges, obviously, with the Marlins and obviously Tampa Bay, the whole state of Florida, at least for the big league level. Um, we've had our challenges filling filling ballparks. But like you say, you know, down here in Miami, we always talk about event town. So they'll put event on. WBC does well, whether it's the old ballpark or the new. Very good. Uh, the, the Caribbean series did very good. Uh, then you see spring training up in Jupiter when the Marlins are the home team. Uh, if they if the Cardinals are the home team, they're six thousand. If the Marlins are the home team, they're two thousand. Unless they're playing the Cardinals, and then it's another six thousand. You know what? You know how do you just kind of approach that? Yeah, I mean, I, you use the term event. I mean, we created. I don't know if it's a real world or not, but I always use the term eventize. Right? We try to eventize our game. So when we, you know, when we first approached this, you know, in two thousands. Um, the goal was, all right, where can we start, right? Where can we throw a bunch of resources that have the best return on it? And you looked at, all right, let's break this up by day of the week, right? Let's go to Saturday's first biggest night 
you know, no matter if you do anything or not, Saturday is always going to be, you know, have the biggest draw. What can we do? Because you, you kind of, you, you know, you fish where the fish are biting. You know, what can we do? What kind of bait can we use on, on Saturdays to eventize that? And that's where we came up with a Super Saturday concept, which was every, we threw everything in the kitchen sink than that. You know, fireworks, concerts, you know, pregame parties, pregame events, autograph sessions, giveaways, big ticket item giveaways. Sometimes we did even parking lot giveaways. You know, we threw everything we could and, and, drew, and, and you know, really uh, through concert series that with, with, with acts that are pretty substantial uh, to drive people into the building. And we were pretty successful with that. Right. So our first time out of the box, you know, Saturdays became big. And and for the Marlins, you know, we had decent, decent nights at, at the box office at the gate. Then um, what do we do from there? OK, probably Friday and then Sunday are your second and third. Let, let's throw some resources at those. What can we do to create some atmosphere? And again, event ties those nights. So Saturday was a big party night, almost a festival surrounding a baseball game. Baseball's still the core. Baseball was our product. But how can we augment that with these other things that would fill, you know, fit nicely around it? Fridays became Fiesta Fridays, obviously, with our uh, multiple cultures we have, heavily Hispanic in South Florida, it became Fiesta Friday. So we became the Los Marlos with on our jerseys. And we had, you know, dual... Uh, language announcements and, you know, Latin theme nights, heritage nights, whether it's you know, Puerto Rican night or uh, Dominican night or Venezuelan night, whatever it may be. Um, and had, you know, uh, Latin stars, you know, some on occasion with, with concerts and, and Latin food items and based on the heritage that we were doing. Um, so Friday nights were Fiesta Fridays and then Sundays were family days. And that's where we threw bark at the parks and kids run the bases and kids giveaways. And that there were a series of, you know, you could build a baseball uniform over four Sundays. Right. Um, you know, and, and, a, and, a, and a kids fest, you know, pregame in, in the plaza. So it really became eventizing, put enough compelling things you can surrounding those dates to give people reason to come out. You can underwrite those also with sponsors and you get your sponsors and they help activate it and help tell the story. You, you tie in a community approach with our, you know, we're always community oriented, uh, you know, trying to be good neighbors. So we tie in our, our foundation. So there's a tie, a complete organizational tie in from baseball ops to marketing, to sales, to PR, to community, to foundation that surrounded these things and supported these nights to help drive attendance on those nights. And then, okay, what do we do with Monday through Thursday? Well, that's where you can look for, Things like military nights and senior citizens nights and, and you know bogos and you know sponsor giveaways Students like that. And, 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 yeah, yeah. No, it, it was uh, fascinating times, you know. And and for our audience, and Sean's going to fill you in. They didn't just have concert nights; they had some serious acts back then, some serious performers. You know, tell our audience, Sean, some of the big you know big ticket uh, artists you got. Well, a lot of them. I mean, Pitbull was, you know, early on. I mean, before he was Mr. Worldwide, he was Mr. 305. And before that, we even knew him. So I've known, I've known Armando for a long time. So, you know, he was a big proponent of us. He even, you know, we, a part of all of this, we had acts like him create theme theme songs for us, right? Uh, Creed's hot now, and Creed created a theme song for us, and they played. You know, we've had, we had Diddy, uh, Steve Miller Band, uh, you know, a number of, of uh, Latin and, and Spanish language acts, like El Gran Combo and, uh, uh, Willie Chirino. And, you know, so, you know, we had, we had really significant acts that came through and, and performed. So it was really, really fun. Yeah. I think Kansas, uh, uh, Smash Mouth, um, yeah. uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, 
I want you to want me. Who, who's that? Keep who's trick. That? Keep, keep, keep trick. trick. Keep yeah. trick. We had. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> did you have a hard time getting those acts, or or did it, they just no, kind of see an opportunity I, to get on board? Well, I came from the arena industry, so I had my contacts with booking agents and managers. So and the problem was, you know, budgets and the thing that you compete with. And now it's even more prevalent. So it's even harder to get those acts with the, you know, the advance of casinos and, you know, these fairs and festivals who, you know, all those acts have now, you know, now they're, they're they've got a lot of options. Um, so but it, it, it was fun. It's always fun kind of what you get. A, you get a set of Saturday. You know, you got 13 Saturdays that you know about in the fall. You know, All right, we got to go start filling these things out. So, Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned El Grand Combo back MLB.com one of those years. They sent me to Puerto Rico to cover the Caribbean series there. Oh. I saw El Grand Combo at the Caribbean series. Uh, I think the Marlins played the Expos. You know, a couple of times when the when yeah. the expos were in, were becoming the nationals, and they and they you know they played like twenty or so games in Puerto Rico, and I go down when the Marlins are playing them, and El Gran I saw El Gran Combo in a five year period, probably about fifteen times. It seemed like <laughs> they were everywhere, and there I'm seeing them in Miami at at the old ballpark. It was it, they were pretty entertaining. Uh, Dave, does this sound like stuff that uh, baseball needs to do again? They kind of fire people up well yeah. yeah i mean yeah go ahead dave oh no i was gonna say we all we all love the game itself but um you know for, for most people that go and watch it's it's a show and uh i think it's great advice i mean that's that's prevalent nowadays correct what, what you're describing what you guys did the innovation you, you were doing down there lots of people are kind of i mean every minor league park i go to now is is making an event that's post-game fireworks post-game concerts and uh People love it. They'll stay and watch. They'll stay and engage. Yeah, a lot of those things that we did are pretty prevalent at the major league level, which they weren't in the past. I mean, that includes, besides those things, other things that we were the first to do, like having the first DJ in a baseball game, uh, the first dance team out of a baseball team. Um, you know, there's, there's things that we were obviously a non-traditional market, so it was easy for us to do that in South Florida. And it goes along with kind of the culture of South Florida, an event going market. And wherever you go, there's DJs and dancers. And so it was an easy transition for us. But, you know, some folks, you couldn't, couldn't, you know, you, they, that will never happen in, you know, X Midwest city. But you know what? Now it has happened and it's pretty prevalent. So, you know, a lot of those things and a lot of those formulas that we built are, are you know, everyday occurrences when you look at the Major League Baseball promotion. It's a trickle down. What, what did you get any pushback early on? With when, when anytime somebody wants to be innovative, you're going to get pushback. What pushback did you get, if any at all? Yeah, I mean, we were pretty aggressive in a lot of things we did. Um, there's some pushback in a lot of instances. Um, you know, when we first introduced our dance team, there was a senior level executive from Major League Baseball. Um, I won't mention his name, but I was in the suite standing with our David Sampson, maybe Jeffrey Lawyer was standing there. And the girls came out on the top of the dugout and people were excited and got, you know, you know, they, they sometimes they had more of a pop in the stadium than the action on the field. And this uh, individual who I considered a dinosaur at that time, like, oh, God, what are you guys doing with this nonsense? I'm like, well, the fans love it. And he goes, well, people love porn, too. I'm like, you're a dinosaur. <laughs> I just walked out. Um so, you know, that was one from a high-ranking Major League Baseball executive. Um, you know, there's a, another 
uh, when we um, announced the Manatees, which were a male dance team, but the, one of the prerequisites for being a manatee was to be manatee shaped. You know what I mean? Uh, pretty big and hefty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we launched that. That was there was a lot. I think that may have appeared in Sports Illustrated, the Apocalypse little little box. Remember the old Sports Illustrated, the little signs of the apocalypse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that appeared there. Um, but that those manatees, we had to try out. The open audition for the Manatees. We're looking for the Marlins, quote unquote, biggest fans to come and entertain at games. And we treated this, it was treated like a full on dance team, like our, our mermaids who are dancing or like an NBA team. We had the choreographer from, an, from the Heat or former four choreographer from the Heat oversee both of those teams. Um, we had a, a tryout, the audition, open audition for Manatees on a Saturday, on the next day on Sunday in Los Angeles. The, LA Times, Sunday LA Times, page 1A, color, full color picture above the fold on 1A was of our open auditions for the Manatees. <laughs> so after oh, wow. that, we had, uh, I, I don't know how many production companies and directors and produ- wanted to make the movie. I, we did, I did go with one. Um, we have a script that was done on spec that I still have a copy of. But it, just not, it never got made. And the biggest reason it didn't get made was when we went into the new ballpark, Jeffrey Laurier wanted to change a lot of things that we were doing. And um, he, he disbanded the manatees. And then the guy said, well, if you don't have them, I don't think we can make it. I still have, I'm still holding out hope that we can find a way to get this made because it was an incredible, incredible story. Uh, one quick other uh, note was... We're trying to, even through our advertising, we were very aggressive. So we ran an ad in, I don't know what year, 2000 and something. We were playing the Braves and Maddox was pitching on Sunday, whatever day it was. And our ad was come watch batting practice with Greg Maddox. (laughs) And I guess, um, uh, who was it? Joe, who's the heat guy? Uh, I mean, the uh, Herald guy, Barry, Barry Jackson. He got Barry that. Jackson. Yeah. He went to Maddox and Maddox able to quote, ah, what are they? Are they? Something off. I can't remember what he said. But then they went to John Sherholtz and John Sherholtz said, oh, whoever would authorize that or print that has never touched a ball or played a sport in their life. And then I think they went to Mike Lowell and Mike was, I don't know what they're doing up there in that in the front office. And then he came to me. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? We're putting an ad out there to help. This is how fans speak. We're trying to have fun. Obviously, Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer. He's the best pitcher you may ever see in your life. <laughs> but we're having fun, right? And I told him to go. T- you go tell John Sherholtz that I did it. If he wants to talk to me and look at my athletic ability, happy to have that conversation. <laughs> so, there are a number of instances like that. <laughs> I, I know this is probably an unfair question, but it's like asking somebody to pick their favorite child. But uh, do, do you have a favorite one that you put on? Manatees, for sure. Now, there's other ones that weren't so great. Uh, I thought they were great. Joe, you remember the Vuvuzelas? Vuvuzela, I was going to ask you about this. Just a, some background to, to alert Dave on this. Uh, the World Cup soccer was going on in, uh, I can't remember what country, but they had those Vuvuzelas. Where was it? South Africa. Yeah, South Africa, and they they had they had those horns that blew and, and sounded like all game long. Well, the Marlins decide to do Vuvuzela night, and the game goes 
like extra innings and it was non-stop noise <laughs> for like 10, 12 innings. I remember talking to Dan Ugla after the game. And he was like, whoever came up with that, please don't do it. I got the biggest headache. It was like oh, hey. the reaction to the Vuvuzel was incredible. But Sean, fill us in with more of the details. Yeah. So the movie, obviously, we, the World Cup was going on in South Africa. It was huge, obviously, massive, right? And, you know, soccer and World Cup ratings. I think Miami leads the U.S. in ratings annually and every four years in, in World Cup soccer. There's a number of football soccer fans in South Florida. So we dialed into that and we did a bunch of soccer themed giveaways. We did a Marlin soccer themed Jersey and something you know, like Marlin soccer ball or something just to play the month that the, the world cup was going on. So we decided to do the Vuvuzelas, which were the hot, the, that was the number one thing in the world that the whole world knew what was happening with these Vuvuzelas in South Africa. So we're going to dial into that. The other thing that we always, our philosophy was to have noise enhancements because we always heard, oh, it's such a dead atmosphere. You know, the players bitch about, oh, we can hear ourselves talking. We can hear the other dugout. Constantly you hear that. Like, all right, let's help enhance our fans. Let's, let, we want our fans to be participants and interactive into the atmosphere. So noisemakers were a big part of what we did on Saturdays. Let's make this interactive. You be part of the show. Vuvuzelas were the perfect response to that. Now, they were really loud. And, you know, <laughs> after, you know, you, Dan Ugla, I know really well, Dan's a friend. You know, he knew who did it. And I said, Dan, come on, you bitch about, you know, the empty stadium or quiet stadium. We were trying to fill it up and make noise, make atmosphere. So don't come at me with that. The one thing that happened, Joe, you may remember, the, probably remember this. Freddie, like, Freddie made a substitution, Freddie Gonzalez, the manager, and they somehow the wrong player went up to bat. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they tried <laughs> to blame the Vuvuzelas on set, like the umpire didn't get the right name or something. It was like, so Freddie, Freddie blamed the Vuvuzelas. It was, it was like a batting out of order, Dave. It almost like created a batting out of order uh, situation. It did. And, was uh, he was out. They, they didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Oh gosh. Those were, that, that was a trip. Oh, yeah. Was a, that, there was some backlash on that one. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think we got some negative feedback from that. One of the other things, when 2003, we were celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Marlins. And um, prior to the season, we were you know, making a big deal about the 10th anniversary. One of our promotions was to um, get 10,000 dimes and put the Marlins, at that time, the teal logo on these dimes and circulate them throughout South Florida. And if you got a dime, you turn that in at the box office and you got a free ticket. Great promotion, right? But we had a, we launched it with Fred Bird and uh, Fred Bird, uh, Billy the Marlin and uh, players and you know folks down at at, uh, at can't remember the elementary school down in I think it was in Miami Beach somewhere. Um, great tons of media. Tenth anniversary heading into the season. There was a lot of excitement. We had signed Pudge, so you know a lot of excitement about opening day that year. And on my way back to the old stadium from Miami beach. I got a call from a receptionist, Kathy Lanza, Joe, you know, Kathy said, Hey, Sean, um, yeah. there's somebody from the secret service here asking about you. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, okay. Um, I go, okay, just, I'll be there and I'm on my way back. You can wait. He, goes, He's, he already went into your office. <laughs> I'm like, okay. 
Um, hey, Kathy, first of all, thanks for the heads up because you gave me a chance to escape if I actually needed to escape, which is cool of you. Um, but I don't think I need to escape. So I'll come back and, and see what's going on. So I walked in. He was in my office sitting there. And he goes, yeah, um, Treasury Department is part of the Secret Secret Service is part of the Treasury Department. So, you know, we get assigned you know, we get, you know, if something's going on with you facing currency, we got to check it out. And he goes, did you paint 10,000 dimes with teal paint? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, all right, well, you weren't supposed to. And I just got to collect a couple to take them back. But just don't do it again. I'm like, okay, thanks for stopping by. And he goes, oh, yeah, and my son is uh, in college for sports management. Uh, how did you get to how, – what's your career like? Trying to give him some guidance. And then we began, and then we had a long conversation about that. Then that guy actually won the World Series in the next February, I think, or whenever it was. We went to the White House. And that guy was reassigned to the White House detail, and I ran into him at the White House when we went to visit for our World Series victory. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, some good stuff from Sean Flynn going down memory lane. Sean, uh, we're getting pressed for time. We got to wrap this up, but uh, uh, we'll we'll have you back. Cause there's many different angles we could go with you as a guest. Uh, Dave, anything final for Sean? Uh, Sean, sh- share with our audience how they can find you, support you, and then uh, where they can locate your the new company. Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. Surepeople.com. It's pretty easy. You can log into surepeople.com or if you want to reach out to me directly at sean at surepeople.com. So, um, you know, anybody wants to kind of dig in a little, learn a little bit more about what we do at Sure People and how we can help coaches and, and folks and front office folks and college coaches and administrators and anybody that surrounds, you know, the world of, of athletes and athletics, you would love, love to have conversation and, and you know, hopefully uh, help, help some folks out. We have uh, 900 college coaches and over 70 governing bodies of uh, international sports and and pretty much every major league front office tuned in. So you guys all heard that, how to reach Sean. So please do so. And uh, Joe, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again to Sean Flynn. Sure people, that's S-U-R-E people. Um, and Sean is the chief commercial officer for them. Also has some great stories and some great marketing ideas and promotions. And it's all fun to to, uh, to relive and, and kind of enlighten you with. We covered a lot of ground. It was a little bit of everything in this podcast. And, and we really had a great time. Sean, thanks again for coming on, buddy. Yeah, guys. Appreciate it. We'll do it again. Yeah. 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 And and Dave, thanks again for all you do. Uh, with that, uh, I'm Joe Forsaro, man on second, and we are out of here.